and welcome to episode one of the Scholarly Sisters podcast. Yay! (laughs) Brought to you by me, Meg. And me, Katie. So each week we are going to bring you a different theme all around academia, higher education, university life. And with it being deadline time and application time, we thought that this time of year and for our first episode, it would be perfect to talk about all things applying for PhD scholarships or PhD opportunities and how that might look for different people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) We're sat here in Katie's dining room after a full day, (laughs) long Very full day. Of writing for an article that we're trying to publish. It's our first one writing together, so it's quite an experience, but I think we're doing all right. I think we're doing okay. We'll see. We're getting there. We'll let you know if it it gets published, (laughs) if we make it. Or they just throw it straight back to us and tell us it's shocking. They might tell us that it's absolute rubbish and it (laughs) needs to go in the bin, but that's all part of the fun and games of being an academic. What are we doing? I don't actually know. (laughs) (laughs) Why are we doing this? I don't know. So, yeah, we want to talk about applications because we had in some ways similar experiences, but in others very different. Yeah, I think... So I applied a year before you, didn't I? you did. Gosh, I'm thinking back now. It was, what, five years ago? Six years ago. Six that I applied just straight after the masters we, we were still doing the masters when you applied yeah so I we had started our master's degree so a bit of backstory Katie and I did our undergraduate degrees together and our master's degrees together so we were kind of three two three months into our master's degree yeah and I decided I didn't want to leave university <laughs> I wanted to be a student forever is that a sin? I don't think so. Student discount, guys, come on. Exactly. Still got it now, guys. <laughs> so I wanted to be a student. I wanted to do further study. I wanted to explore the world of research deeply. Yeah. More deeply. More than we had done or had the time to do so far. Because the undergrad, you don't get a lot of time. Your masters, you get a little bit more time, but there's a lot of kind of restraints and things. At least that's what I found that we had. We didn't have the ability to really go into anything that deeply. No, and I think when we were doing the masters, we had an amazing tutor. He was incredible. Do you think we can name drop him? I don't think he'd mind. Well, I think we should, because he was amazing. He's fantastic. So we had a tutor, Dr. Cahal Butler. Now, he's fabulous. And he opened our eyes, I think, to what else was out there and that we didn't have to stop once we'd finished the master's degree. And I think that was exciting to both of us. Yeah, I think that really helped, because we, continuing with that backstory, both of us were going to be primary school teachers. We did an education studies degree, 
We then both applied for the PGCE at the same uni we'd been at. We both got accepted. But because we'd got first in our undergrad, we were awarded scholarships for our master's. Mm-hmm. And at this time, Meg and I weren't close friends. We had just been on the degree together and knew of each other. And then we turned up on master's day one, me in the afternoon, because I'd applied for a different master's, <laughs> which after 10 minutes, I realised I was in the wrong place. That's a whole other story. <laughs> and we, yeah, the rest was kind of history. We became really close friends by doing the masters together and through that process realized that maybe teaching wasn't for us at least at primary school level yeah I think I think what the masters taught us was that there are so many things that need further research and they're important things and okay we whoops we had a slight technical hitch where the recording just stopped randomly. But Meg, you were saying that, you know, we had our eyes opened that there's so many things that need the space and time to research more deeply and be explored further. And that's what we got from the masters. Yeah. And that's what inspired us both to look into and try to pursue doctoral level study. So I mean, how should we do this? Shall I talk first? Or? I think, yeah, because you applied first. And I, the reason there's a year gap, so I applied the following year is because I still felt that I should probably go do the PGCE mm. because I thought maybe that would be quite helpful. And it's something I'd wanted to do since I was like five. Um and I got in back at my parents up in Cumbria and I started and I think I lasted about three weeks before I cracked and uh, abruptly left. Yeah. <laughs> that is again a story for another time, but mm-hmm. it certainly wasn't for me. So a PGCE, for those of you that don't know, is a postgraduate certificate in education and it means that you can get qualified teacher status to teach in England um, if you haven't got it already through your degree. So we were both looking at pursuing that at one point. But yeah, so I applied and I thought, okay, PhD studentships. A PhD studentship is essentially um, the route that you take if you want to try and be funded for your PhD. So you get an annual stipend for three years, depending on, you know, that that amount can be different depending on what university you apply for, whether you apply through different research funding groups. There are so many things that can um, affect that fee level. But essentially, you get support for your tuition fees and you get a salary albeit a small salary, but it's money <laughs> to continue being a student. It and that something. that was my goal. <laughs> I wanted to be paid for once to be a student. No, that wasn't really my goal. I discovered a project. I discovered a research area that I was really passionate about. It was an extension of what I was looking at for my master's degree, which we'll talk about. I'm sure at some point in in the episodes. But I had discovered that there was an area 
of education-based research that needed to be explored further through my master's degree. So I went down the route of, I proposed my own research project, Mm -hmm. which Katie did also. Um, I don't know if you know this, but with PhDs, you can either propose your own research project or you can become a PhD student based on research proposals from other academics, people who want you to be part of their research. You can join a group, basically. Yeah. So I applied for, I don't actually know the exact number, but I know it was around 40 to 50. Do you really apply for that many? Yeah, I applied for around 40 to 50. They weren't all funded. Okay. But a lot of them were funded. And it was around this time of year and... This is another reason why we wanted to post this episode first, because a lot of the studentships will be opening around now. And I know some of them are already open and they close usually in January. So the way it works is, and I don't actually know if this was the same for you, but the way it works is you usually send an application form In that application form, you'll usually answer some questions that the university or whoever it is that is funding your project kind of lays out. You will then also do a short project proposal, kind of outlining how you would approach the project. I think mine was around 2,000 words. And then a full academic CV... So that, again, another technical hitch. I don't know what it is. We're using Podcaster for Spotify. I think that's how they've branded it. And after literally five minutes, it just cuts off. Mm. So if anyone listening to this knows why and would like to tell us why, we'd be grateful. We'd be very, very grateful. We will also try and figure out what's going on here. I'll have a hunt around after we've done this. Mm. So... An academic CV, including contact deals of deals, details of two deals. referees. <laughs> um, so that's usually a supervisor um, and someone that you've worked with, maybe. And then just your qualification certificates and, you know, identification things and things like that. What I would suggest is that usually on these applications, there's a key contact And that's usually someone who is kind of in the department or is part of the research team. I would totally recommend that you contact that email address. Even if you just say who you are, what your project's about, is there anyone you can have a quick phone call with? It just puts you in a different position because they yeah. then know you. They've then spoken to you. Yeah, You're not puts, just an application form. No, you put you in their mind. And it also can be helpful because sometimes you may be wanting to apply somewhere and there actually isn't anyone there that has that specialty or that background so they can't support you. And it will save you a lot of time if they can tell you quite upfront whether or not it's going to work out because of those reasons. Yeah, for sure. So always check who's available on their kind of staff list and their interests. 
Yeah. So I think I applied for, I mean, I, I definitely applied for around 40. That's Probably more, but not all of them were funded. There was there's only a select number of funded places anyway. Yeah, they're not all universities offer them. No, they're really competitive, and there's different ones. Yeah, and different. I don't know why the word is, but it's like so. I looked at SENS, mm. and they are part of several universities, and they mm. just happen to be in the field of education, which worked for me. But there's a lot more in certain fields. Certain yeah. fields have a lot more kind of funding and yeah. stuff like that. So I got, out of all of those applications, I got two interviews. One, I wanted both of them. The one I really wanted was the one that I didn't actually get. And the reason I wanted it was because it was closer to home. But I ended up with the most amazing opportunity it taught me a lot of things um and I wouldn't change it for the world no so I mean I think we should hear your story now Katie and then we can talk about our interview experience oh god those experiences um (laughs) so yeah as I said I applied a year later again it was around this time so I was a TA at this point. I needed money. So I was a year one TA. was a interesting experience, to say the least. Just, again, really put the nail in the coffin in terms of I knew teaching and working in that environment wasn't for me. Um, but again, I applied. I don't know how many I applied for. I think at first I only applied for studentships, and I was looking, as I said, at SANS. So that involved, I think, four universities that had an education department. Um, So I applied for those. And then I also, after those, um, applied to, I think, one other, which was Mm -hmm. non-funded. So I don't really remember the process of my application. I had to submit a proposal and I did go and check who was at the universities and if there was anyone there that could support me um there was a slight sorry to jump in there's a slight difference in our approach to applications in that you were geographically constrained oh I was looking just at London so you were just looking at London whereas I applied everywhere (laughs) literally I literally applied everywhere I even applied internationally yeah you did yeah so that's I think that kind of yeah it does (laughs) again every five minutes it does explain yeah the difference in how many were available to me because I Mm. just stuck with down south I did apply to that I've just remembered I remember applying actually to where Meg ended up Mm. um I was offered an interview but I withdrew before I went because it it just wasn't going to work moving yeah back up north you had a set life yeah down down here and that was something that you couldn't no I didn't want to give that up I felt really quite settled and I think this is a really good way of showing people Mm -hmm. that you don't necessarily have to uproot your life you know it can work I mean it's hard but it can work around what you're doing you know already and it doesn't need to be you know so drastic no 
it can it's just interesting the way it kind of worked out but I'm grateful for the way it did I mean out of the ones I applied I think I interviewed for all of them but they were awful interviews (laughs) they were shocking my first one was I they were still all down south but it was still like a two-hour drive from where I'm based now it was long and I remember going there and it was five women one of them was on a screen and I was terrified and it was so intimidating and I was so nervous and that wasn't the worst one the one after that was worse so that was in London and there was two and I sat in this really small office with um a man and a woman went through everything and as I was leaving one of them just said well if she just wants to ask them how they feel maybe she should just go do that and I hadn't even closed the door <laughs> so I was like so rude it was so awkward and I got out of there and I just cried it was so embarrassing because um, I could still hear them as I was just stood in the hallway wow. looking really pitiful for myself um, and I came home and then I remember interviewing another one but I'd already at this point had the interview with where I ended up so I turned up and I'll say where I was I was at Roehampton mm. and it had been pissing it down it was a miserable bloody day <laughs> I walked into this old building drenched had to go stand under a hand dryer. I kept pressing the bloody button to dry myself. I was like, oh, I'm not going to get it. I look like a mess. In Grove House. <laughs> <laughs> I had mascara running down my face. I was like, oh, this is so chaotic. But I went in and I'd prepared after all these other interviews, all these other questions I'd had. And I was terrified again. And it was so chilled. It was literally a conversation. And it was like they already knew it was a yes. Aww. And that made me feel so welcome. That, it just, all the nerves went in an instant, just the way I was approached. That's so nice. And it was lovely, and it was really nice. And then I interviewed somewhere else, and I'd already been told by Roehampton that they would like to offer me a place. Um, but they hadn't realised I'd applied for Sense, so that moved everything around. My interview was going to be much later, but when they realised I'd applied for the studentship, they had to bring it forward, mm. because that application closed in January yes where everything had to move up um and yeah so that interview was really nice and then that's why I removed myself from where you ended up yeah I didn't go to that interview I remember now and in your interview at Roehampton were you interviewed by your director of studies who ended up being your director of studies no and a supervisor no so I was oh. meant to be interviewed by one of my supervisors but because I moved the interview because of the studentship situation I was interviewed by two other people and they were just great, so chilled, just like really spoke through everything and just allowed me the space to unpick my ideas and explain everything. Wow. And they didn't make me feel really stupid for wanting to ask people their lived experiences. <laughs> it's not a stupid thing. <laughs> but it was nice compared okay. to others. So did you have to do a presentation or anything or was it just no. questions? That was just questions. They'd already read the proposal, so I filled out my proposal and the documentation that came for the SENS studentship. And that was it. And so it was literally, it didn't even feel like an interview. It felt like how we're sat now. Mm. Just a really nice conversation. And I just really appreciated the way that that was handled. It made me feel confident. So yeah, it's just that's nice. so nice. It was lovely, really. That's good to hear. We <laughs> love Roehampton. I do love Roehampton. 
Um, so yeah, that was a nice experience. I felt lucky to end up there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, applied for the studentship and everything, but to cut a long story short, I didn't get it in the end. They only accepted at the time the top 40 and I was number 41. And normally one person or several people would drop out apparently and it just didn't happen. But I'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason. Because mm-hmm. if I had got the studentship, I would have done another master's because that was a part of how it was. It was a three plus one, it's called. So I would have done a research master's, then I would have done the PhD. So it would have pushed me back an extra year. And at the time I didn't mind, but now I'm really grateful that that didn't happen because even though I didn't do the research masters, like the qualification, part of it at Rahampton was still to attend the sessions. I had to attend a number, but I attended all of them. I just didn't have to do the assignments because I wasn't a paying student on that course. Mm. Um, so basically, yes, I ended up self-funded. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, but I took what the government had introduced, which is important to say, because it wasn't a thing when Meg applied. No, it wasn't. So... It came in within the year. Yeah. So I, as we've said, I applied a year before Katie and there was no such thing as government funding for PhD students. And now there is, which is really great and means that so many more people can do such important research. So my interviews were both quite different. I had two interviews. One was a panel interview it was just questions really but the one that I ended up getting which I ended up going to Edge Hill University up in Lancashire near Liverpool northwest and it was so I had to do a presentation I had to present my research so I had to do a powerpoint presentation And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I have only done this, you know, a handful of times at this point. Yeah, we were not used to presenting at that point. And it was to a panel of about four or five people. I can't remember exactly, but I know that my potential director of studies, so main supervisor, was on the panel. So I had to do the presentation. It was a really supportive experience. And then I had an interview. Also, I was late because (laughs) I had to travel up from the Midlands, up the M6. I I left at about 7 o'clock in the morning. My interview wasn't until, I think, 2.30pm. There was a crash on the M6, which meant (laughs) that we were stuck in a standstill traffic. I remember this. I remember the chaotic. I missed it. I missed my interview. And by this point, I hadn't got the other one that I'd gone for. So everything was riding on this. So it was it was a stressful day, to say the least. It was very chaotic. Um, but went amazingly well. And I got the call on the way home within an hour. Yeah, you did. So that meant that I was moving up to Liverpool. I was then going to be paid for I was going to have my fees paid for but also be paid to do some graduate lecturing which is where I started my career teaching in higher education and that's kind of where it goes from there and yeah wouldn't change it absolutely there was ups and downs I mean there's another story about 
the fact that my director of studies, who was meant to be my director of studies, actually left the university before I before I joined. So I got put with different supervisors, which is a story that I will talk about. We will cover supervisors. Not today. <laughs> but that needs more time. Essentially, I think some some main things to take away from it are to either look for topics that have already been proposed that are of interest to you and if you can be flexible in what you apply for that's great but also bear in mind that you're going to be studying this for a long time oh yeah make sure that whatever it is that you're applying for is going to keep you interested engaged and that you are going to continue, want to continue it. And that it's something that you want to continue for a good number of years. Absolutely. I think if you're applying for, you know, if you think of a research topic, maybe like me, it's off the back of your master's degree, or, you know, it's, it, or it's something that you've discovered along the way, yeah, it's something piques your interest at work, or maybe you're coming straight up from undergrad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not unheard of. No, it does happen. Um, just make sure that it's something that you're really, really passionate about, and you can see yourself going through to the end with. Yeah. Because you set off on this journey thinking it's three years if you're full-time. Mine was over four, near enough five, and I didn't pause yeah but life happens some people it's like I know of people and colleagues it's taken them you know 10 years yeah. because life has happened maybe they've had children or they've moved or they've changed jobs and they've yeah. had to interrupt or they've had to interrupt more than once so yeah. I mean I interrupted which meant that Katie and I graduated well we finished our PhDs yeah. within a month. a month of each other so we submitted within a month our vivas were within two two months and then graduation's a bit further because mine I haven't had mine yet but January finally I get to have mine and wear the funky hat you do and <laughs> trust me it feels good <laughs> it's gonna be um, an experience I graduated in July this year. My graduation was very quick from Viva passing to graduation. But um, it just goes to show every journey is different. Absolutely. It's going to be different. And we are excited to share what we experienced and hopefully have guests on from time to time that can share their experiences of things as well. But yeah, make sure whatever you're picking is something you're passionate about and ready to dedicate a significant proportion of your life to for sure and I think that's it for today I think so yeah we'd love to hear if you have any questions you can find us on Instagram at the scholarly sisters and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with episode two what that will cover is yet to be discussed. <laughs> exciting, exciting <laughs> times. But yeah, please leave us questions. We'd love to hear what you have to say, if you want any advice on anything in particular, and we'll see you soon. Bye.